consideration. Are there any questions or considerations? What if it comes? That's a great question. The dragon is already there. <laughs> you know, there's this. Can we get prepared for this event or have to just be with it and accept it? I really think that Andrea spoke the truth when she said the dragon is already here. I've been looking for a quote, and it was this great quote, and I had it a long time ago, and I just lost it, but it was this quote about growing up and being, looking at our parents and thinking how stupid they were, our parents at some point. <laughs> just really stupid. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they handle this? What? How could they even think about what they're doing? Like what? And then, finally, we get older, and the parents would keep like threatening us about the dragon. They kept saying there's all this stuff. In it. And what happened was this: the quote said, "And we got older, and we finally we saw the dragon. And in fact, we took a, our biggest hammer and we hit the dragon on the head, and we saw the dragon smile." And like that's the questions. And you hit the dragon on the head and you see the dragon just smile at you. It's like that. And then you feel pretty small. Then you go, I need a spiritual teacher. Now I know what a spiritual teacher is for. Yeah, it's pretty hopeless about dragons. So go ahead. Esther, what do we do with a dragon poop and it smiles? Well, you're just going to have to wait and see, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure that you could cook up something good. <laughs> Dragon poop soup. We'd have a lot of it, though. We'd have to freeze it in our super freezer. But it gets more and more, It's not a solution. Well, we, are there any... No quite are there any questions or considerations? Anybody wanted to bring up? Is the tape on? The tape is on. Oh no. Oh no. There's no such thing as a non serious question. There's no such thing there like a serious question. There's no such thing as a serious yes. question. Is that what you said? <coughs> so, uh, I'm going to leave it open to uh, a vote, a majority vote at this point. Whoever's not here doesn't get to vote. And the question is, in terms of where we would go in, this, in the hour and a half that we have here tonight, so we could, I have some bordello news, and I can work with that. And that will, of course, be great. Or we could have a consideration about the yoga of relationship, which is uh, what Lee says our yoga is. You know, when you read the books about Zen, and the, all the Zen stuff. Well, they have this specialty called sitting, zazen or um, soto. Is it rinzai and soto zen? The two forms of zen. One 
working with koans and one's just sitting, but they, uh, they both have this really a thing about sitting, like what you do is you go there and sit. In our school, we don't have that. And in a yoga school, you go there and you would do these physical postures and physical <coughs> positions, and that's what you do there as, as their practice. And you know, people have asked Lee what our yoga is or what our practice is, and he says that our yoga is the yoga of relationship. So um, we could spend the evening investigating what that is. Or I, I'm mm -hmm. that's one vote. Mm -hmm. That's two votes. Yeah. That's three votes. Mm -hmm. That's one hundred percent vote. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm neutral. I'm what? You're neutral. No, I don't get to vote because I'm. I count the votes. Okay. I count them, and I would really, I would tend to distort them. Mm. So I think it's not really fair if I vote. <coughs> okay. Well, so I'm going to say some stuff, <coughs> and then we can have like a discussion about the details. If that's okay. Mm. So I'll talk for a few minutes, and then let's do that. What, excuse me, would it be okay to make more light? Yeah, I'd be really fine with more light. How do we do it? This lamp. Oh, yeah. This one. What happened to this light here? That's what happened. This one went out. That one. Wow. Well, with uh, the yoga of relationship, you know, if you think about yoga or Zen sitting, they, both of them have uh, particular forms and particular postures. And one does them in the beginning, and the form or posture is very, very uncomfortable. And the instructions of the master in those traditions is always that uh, it never gets more comfortable. It never gets comfortable because they're, they're forms of practice and so practice can never be comfortable because if it's comfortable then we're asleep in a certain way. And so we have to extend that same consideration to our own particular yoga of relationship that it must have particular forms and the, the forms would not be natural or comfortable or unconscious. So just like with um, yoga and sitting, you know, the form of the sitting and the posture of the sitting, and the form of the practice, is not something that we inherited from our parents. It's not something that we uh, got from school or from the church or even from books. That the subtleties and the complexities of the practice of the of the yoga or the
Zen or even martial arts kinds of practice, they uh, they are held handed down in a tradition, and they're given um, by uh, particularly by oral instruction and then observation and um, coaching, like feedback, like uh, continued teachings and about the subtleties and the, the way of the practice and the form, and that's that's true in the, in the yoga and true in the Zen and true in the martial arts. And so we could pretty much assume it's true in our yoga, our relationship, is that the yoga of our relationship has a particular form and the form is not something that we already know about. And so we have to assume from the beginning that we go into the consideration about the yoga of relationship without making the assumption that we already know anything about it. If we assume we know anything about it, we are probably fooling ourselves. So, the, um, so that if we, so with regards to the um, learning it, well how do we learn this then? How do we, how do we begin the study of the yoga of relationship and the um, form of it? and the practice of it. And so we might begin by reading the books and reading the Goto and like that. And then the other the rest of the way it happens is by the way the form of the other kinds of practices happens. Like the martial arts and the and the uh, yoga and the Zen. The way that those happen is you it's a you go into a particular setting like in the martial arts, it's called the dojo, and in the uh, Zen, in the Buddhist tradition, it's called a, what's it called? Dojo mm -hmm. Is it called the dojo where they sit? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then in judo, in uh, yoga, it's when they do their postures. Is is that in a dojo too? Yoga, when people practice yoga, I don't know if they do it in a particular place. I think they do. Well, I think that the particular place where we have a form of the practice would be called the ashram. I mean, that, you know, we do sitting in the in meditation hall, but the ashram itself would be the dojo where we uh, practice the form. And, and in, the, uh, in a Zen monastery, in a monastery they have... Um, you know, they have er, people can live at the monastery, but then they have a separate sitting hall, the dojo, where they do the practicing their sitting. And so, anyway, let's let's work with the ashram being the the place where we practice the form of our yoga, which is relationship. Or household. Or a household. household. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly the same. So that would be yeah. that makes yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. so if you move into a household, then you have like a dojo for a relationship mm -hmm. in the Western Bible tradition. So what would the what are the forms then? The beginning forms and the more advanced forms of uh, the practice of the yoga of relationship. You know, in the beginning forms of yoga, what we can't even do the posture. Do you know what I mean? It takes maybe sometimes even years before we can our body is flexible enough and strong enough to go into a posture and hold it, especially any of the medium or advanced forms, forget about it in the beginning. The be 
beginning, it's just like, can you touch your toes? Or can you, um, can you stand on one foot? Or can you uh, sit with a, a straight back? It's like those are the kinds of things that we start with in those kinds of yoga. So what would the equivalent be in our yoga of relationship? What would you, what would you say? So getting together ten minutes early for meals. Yeah, even to the meal, also you must. It, it depends how, how people are. On the, just in a house, for example, getting people together for meals is a is a big step that people commit to some some basic things or to bordello or after dinner talk. Or so just the 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 basic uh, gatherings that they agree on doing something together and when and so mm -hmm. it's kind of so that people kind of commit and be consist consistent about that. Already, it's already a lot sometimes. Yeah. First step is of course to move in. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other basic forms of our yoga relationship? Part of it would be men's and women's culture. And that would be probably one of the foundation mm -hmm. things. I remember when I first went to my first bordello, Greg Shaw and uh, Colette were a couple at the time in, in near San Francisco. And we were living about an hour away from their house. And so when we heard that they were having a meeting that, and we could come, we were really excited. So we, we drove down all the way for the whatever an hour to their house and brought Amethyst and Aurora, who were very young at the time. <coughs> and they were going to have a, a meditation first, I think. So I walked in the room and there were these people sitting there and there was an altar in front. And so I saw all these people and I just sat right down where I naturally sat and that was on the women's side of the room. And somebody had to go, you know, hey. and I, you know, I'm looking around like, who could they be possibly talking to? And, and they said, the men sit over there, and it was completely invisible to me. I couldn't even see it. And then I finally looked around and go, oh yeah, look at that! Wow, you know. And then I moved over and sat with the men. And it was just men's and women's culture as part of the Western Bible tradition is a really core part, and yet. Um, when we first come in, to me, you know, for most of us anyway, it was, it's a, a basic form that we don't know anything about. What I was thinking of was when we, um, one of the forms of the, of the yoga relationship has to do with the form of kindness and the form of generosity, or the forms, I would say. Different forms of kindness, different forms of generosity, different forms of um, acceptance or compassion. I know um, 
you know, we've been here in France working on the yoga relationship with each other for six years, some of us. And I've noticed a recent change that I just wanted to mention. I've noticed it a couple of times, enough that it's consistent. And that is, you know, I'm out traveling around a lot. And when I'm traveling, I call here often. And when I call, I know how the phone is answered or has been answered or how the telephone gets answered. I know how many rings. I know who in general answers the phone. And I know how how the messages are taken and how successful the messages are and all that. So I, one of the things that I noticed in the last few months, maybe even longer than a few months, but the last few months especially, is that when I call in, um, Andrea answers the phone a lot and she she answers it with this um, positive enthusiasm that I, I didn't notice before. And I haven't asked her about it or said anything about it before now, but I've really noticed that it was a different sort of way that the phone was being answered. It was um, really warm and welcoming and didn't didn't matter who I was. You know, she doesn't know who's on the phone. She just answers the phone. So I, I'm sure that she's doing this as a practice. I don't know if it's from, I don't know where she got the practice, but I, I experience it as a form of the yoga of relationship. It's a form that she didn't used to be able to get into that posture before. The posture of being like congenial and friendly and open and happy on the telephone. And now she's consistently answering the telephone that way. And I've noticed it. And I'm sure everybody else who calls here notices it too. And um, it's just a, I think that that's a kind of a, even though it sounds really simple, or you'd think it would be really simple, it isn't simple. It's a really, but as Alun said, it's like con we're starting with basics and we work with basics, and that's a basic. But it also has a huge impact on the relationship between us and the, um, all the people who are interested in working with the Lilaswick and the Western Bell tradition here in France and Germany or wherever else people call them from. So that's a form that I've seen e evolving or becoming more. Practiced is the form of kindness, in particular with regards to the telephone. And maybe um, I was just before I went to work this morning. Alun asked me if I would be here for any meals today, and I, I told her that I probably wouldn't be because I had to pick up the car and shuttle around and do this return the drill at the hardware store and work in the office and like do all these things. So. Uh, this morning, even though there was really nobody here for breakfast, Alun rang the bell for breakfast. You know, the breakfast is ready bell. And she rang it in a very kind way. You know, it was like a really, I almost, I almost had to go into the kitchen and eat something for breakfast just because the way the bell was rung was so <coughs> gentle and welcoming. And I, I have heard the bell being rung for five or six years, and different people ring the bell different ways, and different, the same people ring the bell in different, in different times in different ways. You can kind of tell what's going on by how the bell is being rung. And even though there was like nobody coming to breakfast this morning, and still the bell was rung really sweetly, and it was a, um, that also is part of the yoga of 
receive them and to give them some information, not too much information, the most important information for them. And, and I remember one, one man who was here in the summer and he, he was in a, in a, in a ther ther therapeutic process at a point where he, where he had really a hard, a hard time and, and and uh, he just needed to go out and to, to lie down on the matter <laughs> something we, we had to find we had to find a place for him here and we had and that was really that was really a challenge and, and, and not to not not, uh, not to insult those people or to not not just, just to be there for them and to be and to be open for them, and not 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 press them into our protocol, and to f to, yeah, to form them <laughs> for our protocol, that they function for our protocol. That's something. So, so to, to give them, although there is a, a certain protocol here, and a very complex protocol, to give them really <coughs> space and and to have tolerance for them, also. and at the same time to hold hold the space here mm -hmm. and hold somehow the space for them also. It's, it's really and, um, and I see that, that it's, it's very very important for us to to, communi to communicate about that and that and that with, with that man one thing which came up with that man the communication functioned very well it was uh, the man talked to me, and I talked to Garcia. So, because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to. Well, I, I didn't want wanted to decide by myself mm -hmm. how to handle it. So, <coughs> so it worked out very well. And actually, and he, he wrote a letter after several weeks. He wrote a letter to me, and and uh, was very thankful. Mm. Because it's very, it's very delicate. It's yeah. very delicate. What, what is an ashram and an ashram of friends and all the discussion about the sects and the cults and, and people who, are come, who come here are very um, have to have some some courage to come here. <coughs> they take it, they take a risk. Mm -hmm. <coughs> what, what it seems like you're talking about. Is a kind of hospitality. Yes, hospitality. And uh, that kind of kindness and generosity to uh, guests. And I was, I was thinking, 
I'm trying to think about what the opposite of that would have been. And the opposite would have been judging, um, being offended, you know, reacting like um, that, like something's wrong or bad or stupid, like that. That would have been the opposite kind of thing from our practice. And the practice being kindness and generosity and hospitality and acceptance and communication, like you said, and um, um, also you said something that was really great about the practice of relationship, which was, like you said, to not just do it on your own. Mm. You didn't just handle it on your own. You communicated with about your other men. I mean, I even heard something about it too. I remember and. So we, it's like everybody knew what was happening. So it was, it was not a, um, it was not a separative kind of thing. It was his, the man's need, what he needed, was made into a thing that brought people closer together mm -hmm. through the communication. Mm -hmm. So it was like what at first looked like a problem was turned around to be a way for people to practice the yoga of relationship. In, in this example, what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Actually, it was, it's, it was also, for me, a very good possibility to, to observe myself, you know. Because the judgments, you know, the man talked to me and, and I, I had, of course, I had some reactions, but I, you know, I had to handle it somehow and, and you know, to be kind to him and, and, I, and I could observe several judgments and, and things and it was, that was that was great, and I think it's it's. Well, I'm sure it's not not the aim. We could hide ourselves behind the protocol of our school. You know, when when I imagine when I imagine uh, a Zen school monastery, that, uh, this is a very old tradition. It's it's probably more recognized <coughs> by by politics or by, by the church, different churches or Christian churches, than, than, our, than our school is. And uh, when I imagine, the, for example, the Zen tradition on the Zen, um, Zen monastery or dojo, it's very strict and it's very clear and it's like, it's very straight and people who go there, <laughs> they, they, they have no other choice than and to, to follow the protocol mm -hmm. from my, from my uh, experience or from, from my feeling and because it's very clear it's very clear and, and it's designed very, very directly and very, very clear and um, but so maybe their their style is, is easier to hide to hide their what is? Their, their style. Oh yeah. It's, uh, the sense, the style of Zen or Zen Dojo's. It makes it m maybe easier to to hide mm -hmm. yourself behind the protocol. You know, not to communicate to people, you know, mm -hmm. because maybe you shouldn't talk or you know, maybe you shouldn't <laughs> have a discussion with somebody who just, you could just ignore other people who, who who obviously have problems too. Yeah. And, um, 
to arrive or to follow the protocol. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I was thinking was that um, there's different levels of practice of the yoga of relationship and they get increasingly more subtle and more impactful and more uh, difficult. Or, and the first would be uh, sort of a yoga relationship with, with just the general public, just the local people, with regards to, like you said, this being an ashram in France and the cult scene and all that. And, and then the next, the next level that's even more sophisticated and complex than that is that, um, which the first level includes our neighbors and the officials and the, um, the businesses that we work with and all of that. And the next level would be with guests, like you're saying, visitors either one time for the first time or so the, the guests who are coming either to a seminar or a um, presentation either when Lee's here or when he's not here like a celebration or any one of the seminars and or even sometimes guests come when there is no seminar so there's that so there's that level and then the third level of um, sophistication and complexity in the practice of the yoga relationship would be with the residents here with the other people here with, you, with the local you know household you guys and the um, the people who are actually living here. So the relationships that we have with each other are even more, uh, as a as a sangha here, is even more complex and subtle, and um, there's a lot more energy even involved in that. And and then to so the art form, the sophistication and the and the development or the maturity of the form has to be even more developed for us to be in relationship with each other here, the practice of the yoga relationship here is even more than that. And then uh, then there's also, then the next level it might be partners or couples or families, but then the next, the most sophisticated and developed art form of the yoga relationship would be the relationship that we have with uh, ourselves and the teacher. Like there's a relation, an, an art form of the the yoga relationship with a teacher in, a, in that also. But what I was thinking was, um, we might be able to stop judging another person or stop being offended about another person easier than we would be to stop being offended at ourselves or to stop being having opinions and judgments about our own actions or to be separative from ourselves, like to, to um, say that what we're doing is embarrassing or we want to do something so that we don't look bad to other people or that we don't think that we look bad, you know, or that we, that we look like we are smart or have our act together or, you know, all those, that's like one of the most sophisticated levels of the practice of the yoga relationship would be the internal work that we do on ourselves or with ourselves. So I don't, I don't, I don't have it 
you know, all mapped out, but there's some like progression of the of the level of difficulty or um, confrontation or uh, what's it called? Like a, like you know, just imagine those sophisticated yoga forms where they have you know you're kind of hanging upside down or standing somewhere, or you know you've seen pictures of these people in these postures, and it's like that's the kind of posture that we need to be in in order to um, have relationship here in the ashram with each other, and the the, the form is not comfortable and it is not familiar, and it is, um, you can't do it and sleep. You can't do it like you do it any other way. Observation. Being invisible. Is a posture. Being invisible. Or presence. <laughs> yeah, and I have the impression that we have to do everything kind of together. It's, it's, we cannot really begin, we cannot say we, we begin with hospitality or so, because um, hospitality is also a high art. It's a, it's a difficult posture and it depends on self observation and it, it depends on, yeah, on, on how we are together. So it's, we have to start and and be and develop on several levels in, at a time. Hmm. <coughs> I was thinking of how often we've had um, support groups just prior to a seminar here, just so we could get aligned with each other, so that we could serve the guests. I mean, that hasn't happened recently, but in the past we've done that, of like just to kind of get the yeah. kinks out of the system, so that we we're more fully available for serving guests. And also in hospitality, there, there can be a pure form of hospitality and there can <coughs> be a hospitality that is tainted with motivation. Like what kind of motivation? You know, like grasping for um, to be special or um, to know something or know somebody or um, You know, there's a pure kind of just mm -hmm. serve. Like I, I think that's really true. Essentially, what you just said on like the, like like being together as a group first, like having group work happens so that we can offer that as a group. Mm -hmm. Is that what you? Is that yeah, what you yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. was a one example. On the other hand, hospitality also um, keeps us together as a group. I think that's that's kind of interwoven all these these levels and mm -hmm. we yeah. The day yeah. that we set up that room together as a group of women. It's so great to make that room for the many guests who are coming. Mm -hmm. There's a posture 
of the yoga relationship that goes along with that. That's what's written over the sink in the kitchen, I think, which is instead of thinking of reasons why it cannot be done, think of ways to do it. And that's a posture also. We have to overcome. We, we, we live together and we you know what to choose to live with, with um, someone else and um, yeah, we have to overcome this this, uh, this totally strangeness which we have to to, 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 to certain people and power struggle and, and all this stuff and that that we are not here for yeah, not <coughs> not a relationship between between us, but, but um, that we have a, a common purpose. That that the relationship relationships are for this purpose and um, kind of center to 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 some 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 yes, to center. And yeah, we have. Also for me, it, it has made 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 a really big difference that we have a job to do here with each other. Not, um, not. It's, it's not about hanging. Who's hanging, hanging, hanging um, out with with whom? That's that's not the question. I thought you were going to say it's not a question of who's hanging out the laundry. That's what I'm talking <laughs> 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 about. It's always a question. <laughs> 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 yeah. Hanging on, how do you say hanging out? It's hanging out. Hanging yeah, out. With somebody. Right hanging out. With who? With yeah. whom? That's when, we, when, we, when we're focused on that, we're, we're totally self absorbed. And we're totally yeah. self absorbed when we're focused on who's hanging out with who because that's personal consideration rather than. What's serving me? What's serving the group? Yeah. What's serving the group and how does the group can serve me? Or serve the work? I don't mm-hmm. know if it's about serving him personally. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some posture. Well, what's so? There's a you know the, there's some kind of posture associated with accepting what is as it is in the moment. Snake in the tube posture. The snake in the tube. <laughs> Could you demonstrate that one? Suzuki Roshi or Katagiri Roshi described Sushin, you know, that you have to you have mm-hmm. to be able to deal with all that bodily pain and internal pain that comes up in sitting as if you're a snake in a tube. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> well that's fun. Well in a way, you know, a household or an ashram would be that. Yes. It's like you know, our natural we have our the, the machine, our psychology, the, you know, the, our, the machine, the cramp, has its natural things that it weighs that it wants to move. And when there's a bunch of, like, snakes all in the same 
like tube together and they're all trying to move. All they can push up against is the is each other. I think we all have our own tube that we're in. And we can probably the blessing of the guru is sitting there and see two of you know us. Yeah, but I think um, if you're really so right now, you're not in the tube anymore. I hope so. And at that point, you would have no consideration about it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, Lee doesn't look like he's in a tube. He doesn't look like he's out of a tube. Yeah. That's me. Mm-hmm. He looks like he doesn't have any room to wiggle either, just physically. Well, that's the one law. Do you know Rick Rose's letter that I didn't receive it? What? I can't find oh. it. He, he wrote about the celebration a little bit and about what he said at the Darshan. Hmm. I remember something about it, so I did read it somewhere. Do you want me to paraphrase? Yeah. So basically, at the end of the celebration, Lee was saying that it had been really great, and it it had even been too much, you know, it was kind of like this celebration was, of course, even fuller than ours, because they had, I think they had more people than they ever had hosted there before, which would be over 100, and um, they had so much music and theater and stuff, and when uh, somebody sent me a message during the celebration that things were happening very quickly, I was thinking about how our things were going back to back and you know, not enough people to do all the jobs and be in the spaces, but we still were going on. And so Lee was um, saying how grateful he was and how... Um, oh, I remember I read this letter to you, so if you remember anything, too. Um, he was grateful because... He was grateful just for the work that's happening and, and for, for the whole scene. He was grateful for the whole, the school basically, and he said that none of it would be possible without any of us, but he's still dissatisfied and he's very frustrated about the, um, the things that we're not getting and uh, um, the sloppiness and that he he feels personally responsible for that because he said we're all very intelligent and trainable people and since he has not been able to train any of us he's responsible for that because it shows his lack of ability to train us to um, pay attention the way he wants us to actually it didn't say that attention is It's in the category of practice and taking care of things and relationship and all that, I'm sure it fits in there. Didn't you say details or slipping by or something like Details, that? yeah. And that his solution to that is to be more grumpy. And more yeah, grumpy is? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that recently a group of people had appealed to him to be less cranky and that 
He said if he's less cranky, it's an incredible service to the world and that we will be very, very sorry if we convince him to be less cranky. And his solution to our lack of whatever it is, attention, precious, is that he's more frustrated than grumpy. So when so to me he's a snake in the tube. And he said that see people from at least from my understanding of the situation misinterpret what he's saying to them. You know, being an outsider of the situation and watching the watching things being misinterpreted people miss miss the hint. seems like that's the, even the most, I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it, if we're making a map or a chart of, of the levels of sophistication of the yoga of relationship, the, the yoga of relationship with the teacher would be either, would be that um, one of, at least one of the highest, if not the highest, because if the teacher is like he has described himself in this situation, like grumpy and cranky, the way that our box, our psychology would experience that would be, it would be a frightening thing. Like, to put yourself in the way of that, or put yourself, in, open yourself to that influence of that. Basically, it's like a meat grinder or a helicopter blades or something. <coughs> He also said that that is his natural disposition. We said that? Yeah. To be grumpy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people have problems with his natural disposition. You know, he's 
He's a teacher, and people have problems with his natural disposition. He's, of course, going to teach from that disposition because that's, that's his package that he was given. And we think we can change him more. Yeah, we think he's wrong. Yeah. Or that he doesn't understand. So that, uh, like I was saying, it's like uh, we kind of progress along the path of the yoga of relationship from one level to the next level. And the exercise or the instructions are to practice over and over again the form of the level that you're at, but also to um, extend yourself, extend yourself into the next level of the form. Like to take it two steps forward and then go back and two steps forward. Like try new ways of um, tolerating the unpleasant manifestations of others without negative emotion or without any expression of negative emotion. And there's, that's a that's that's a formulation from Gurdjieff. I mean, the way that that's stated is a formulation from Gurdjieff. But it's a lot like what Andrea said, sitting with it like a brick would be the same. Mm -hmm. But the practice, Red Hawk was um, giving some exercises to this little rock group who was a group of people who were in um, Porna's camp program and then did not become his students. At that time, they weren't his students yet. And he, um, and so Red Hawk was coming to do some work with them. And Red Hawk's background is somewhat in the fourth way tradition. He's been studying fourth way stuff for a long time. And uh, one of his practices to them was the absolutely the practice of the, the non the not manifesting negative emotions, just not manifesting negative emotions, anger, you know, fear, um, you know, um, whatever, being abrupt or um, forceful or uh, unkind or short-tempered or like any negative manifestation of anything, like that would be the practice for for periods of time, you know, to set to set a time, okay, for these three hours, um, <laughs> these know, three minutes, for these three seconds. Really, <laughs> 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 right, but that's a that's that would be like the yoga of relationship. Did they work with self-observation prior to that exercise? Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, without self-observation, it's hard to see what it's even coming up. Mm -hmm. So self-observation is one of the postures in the yoga relationship, is to split our attention and have an observer, a neutral. <coughs> the whole thing about the observers is have it be with absolutely without judgment, without, there's um, another word, what's the other word? Without judgment, neutral. I wrote it down. Ruthless and honesty. Ruthless and honesty. But without any kind yeah. of judgment. Uh, judgment. Neutral is another word. Mm. So from this uh, parenting book that we just read, this maybe this sandbook. Uh, 
Yeah, that's the, that's the um, key ingredient to self-observation is that it doesn't include self-recrimination or judgment or opinions or like that. Just to see how it's going, just to see what's happening and observing in full detail and with experience, with not just an intellectual observation of it, but actually the full body experience of the thing as a way of mapping it out. So this is what's happening. So if you're mapping out the any kind of expression of a negative emotion, then you're gonna you're gonna feel the adrenaline in your system, you're gonna feel the hair standing up, you're gonna feel the rush of the blood in your face and the tension in your throat and the, 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 the pressure in your head and you're gonna um, that feel all of those sensations along with the observation of how it goes, what triggered it, how how, how many times you've seen that same kind of trigger happen in in this day, in this week. And is that trigger compared to the other trigger? You know, what pushes the on button to make that whole bodily, like this machine, just go into play? And then observing the machine's functionality, you know, how it works. And then when it comes off, and how it shifts from one identity to another identity, forgetting completely that just, you know, even a few moments before, there was this, you know, hateful, you know, spiteful, thinking and feeling and then shifting into something completely different that how could I even you know that's not me I mean who, who could even think of me like that you know? and observe the observer has just a, like a data bank and it matches all of that stuff it includes all of it and um, starts to build uh, uh, clarity about the uh, whole situation Never knew that, and I think if it, if it is being which is observing, but and she said yes, so because I always try to do it to observe with my mind, but I didn't find, didn't see how how you you can can just not not have judgments and can overcome this, and you must find a point which is yeah which is prior to the mind. To, to observe your mind's plays and of inclusive, inclusive, including the the judgment when you have just to observe your judgment. So, so. Mm -hmm. One of the other things you can observe is your purpose. You know, really to get down into what the really the purpose is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I did I did some writing the last days, and that. Really help in like making descriptions and maps and um, like use the word clarity and seeing like understanding. Well, I don't know if that understanding is really the same as clarity because understanding seems to come from the mind. But it seemed like writing and then some of it I processed with um, Arun and Andrea really helped me to step back out of the judgment of it. And that's the last thing you just said. The, um, about the clarity? No, mm -hmm. you said something else after that. Purpose? The purpose, right. Oh, the purpose, yeah. One of the things in the writing was about purpose and how Most of 
most of us haven't been trained with a higher purpose from our childhood. We weren't given a higher purpose. We weren't. <coughs> nobody spoke to us about that or what it would be or how it could manifest in our lives. And so, I mean, I've done the hidden purpose and high purpose thing with you in, in trainings, but um, it seems like like the um, parental pattern that most of us have does not include high purpose at all. I mean, it's, at least for me, I found a big void in that place. And I've found a, a lack of models for me in my life almost entirely, except for me, for that. Including, you know, every person I live with currently, every person I live with, every every spiritual community I've hung out with, that the only model has been the master. And so it seems so imperative to keep the focus on like um, creating the matrix that the master resides in. Because that's the that contains the whole entire um, What's amazing about purpose is that every uh, every aspect of our manifestation includes with it a purpose, and like the clothes that we wear, or the way that we sit, or the where we put our attention, or where we forget, or we forget, or the tone of our voice, or the the um, every every gesture, even tiny gestures, even the unconscious little nervous gestures that we have all have a purpose and that if, if we were to be aware of what the purpose of each of those gestures were it would be they would, they're all manifestations of the same cramp and they all point they all come from the same place but can they be like lower purpose and higher purpose manifesting at the same time the different, I mean, the body makes a lot of different gestures mm -hmm. with feet and hands and eyes. And What's the higher purpose? Just look, just look, just look, just look, just look, Service itself is a higher mm -hmm. principle, mm -hmm. and survival is a, is a um, what do I call lower, whatever, an underworld principle, because mm -hmm. it, it's all based on that there's not enough, mm -hmm. and that service is based on that there's more than enough. Service is really based on I already have everything that I need, mm -hmm. and therefore my life is about service, which is serving something greater than oneself. True service. Yeah. Not service with projecting or yeah, service mm -hmm. with finding this little this back. We know that